God the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And please be seated. Sometimes I'm, I'm asked, um, what, what is the Episcopal Church all about or what is the Anglican tradition all about? And uh, I used to keep spare copies of the prayer book in my office and the, those big fat paper clips. And I'd take the collects in the prayer book and I'd put the paper clip around the around the colics, I say, here, read these. You read these prayers, you'll understand this approach to being a Christian, this kind of the flavor of this, this way of being a Christian. The colics are the prayers they do, they are at the beginning of the service, they do exactly what they say, they collect our thoughts. I had a teacher once who said the collect is kind of like the little, when you go to the airport or the, or the, or the, or, or the mall, and there's a map and there's a little red dot that says you are here, that tells you kind of where you are and what's going on. They are always related to the scriptures and they more or less summarize the theme of the scriptures. And the one for the second Sunday of Advent summarizes the theme of the scriptures for the day about as well as any of them that I know. Merciful God, who didst send thy messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation. Give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The prophet that we have before us this morning, the prophet Malachi, is in some ways the last of the prophets. Uh, he is writing uh, about 400 years before the coming of Jesus Christ. And he's writing towards the end of the story, that part of the story of the church. The Bible tells the story of the church. The church, this is a Greek word, it means, the church means the people that have been called out. God has called out a people. He's, he's called out a people to make a people for himself, to accomplish his purpose. And that, that story is divided into two parts. There's the old Old Testament and the New Testament. Malachi's writing towards the end of the, of the Old Testament. He's writing about 400 years before the coming of Jesus. And he's writing about 100 years after the people of Judah and Jerusalem have returned from the Babylonian exile and come back uh, to Jerusalem. Now, we have to always orient ourselves in the big story. The children of Abraham go down into, into, into Egypt. They become slaves there. They become slaves in the kingdom of death. And God rescues them from the kingdom of death and from slavery and from that... Um, That, that kingdom that is, that is built upon the false god Pharaoh, 
He makes a way out of no way. He brings them into the desert. He gives them a holy and a righteous way of life. He feeds them by hand. Protects them, leads them to the desert, and brings them into the promised land. He gives them a holy city. In the middle of the holy city, a holy temple. In the middle of the holy temple, a, a, a liturgy which is meant to hold up to them the calling that they have. The calling to be a kingdom of priests. The calling to be a righteous nation. The calling to be a, a city set upon a hill. A light to the nations. To live towards God and towards each other. But it is obvious that they know who the real and living God is. And it is so obvious that people say, Who is your God that we may know him, love him, and serve him as well? And they, they fall away from that form of life. They fall away from it again and again and again. And God in his mercy sends his prophets. He raises up uh, these men to be prophets. Some of them are priests of the temple. Some of them are a, a shepherd, a, a dresser of sycamore trees. And God gives them his word of judgment. And they come and confront Israel with their sin and call God's people back to the holy and righteous way of life that he has saved them for. He's, he's, he's saved them from death, he's brought them into life, and he's saved them for this holy and righteous way of life. And the prophets come with God's words of judgment. And the words of judgment are so strong and so stinging that over and over again, Israel stones the prophets to death. And Jesus, when he sees... Uh, Jerusalem, on his last journey there, as he crests the hill, he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, always killing the prophets. But hidden inside these words of judgment are words of grace, and the sending of the prophets is part of God's love for his people, because he does not want them to fall back into slavery and death. He wants to bring them into freedom and life. And the harsh words are part of the love that he has. And the prophets give warning. They say, if you keep on this way, if you, if, you, if, you, if you keep on exploiting the poor, if you keep on worshiping false gods, if you keep on with this personal and corporate corruption, if you, if you um, if you persist in making the liturgy of the temple a mockery, if you persist in that way, I will release my judgment upon you. And you'll be conquered, you'll be devastated, and you'll be taken into exile. And this happens twice, the Assyrians, first time with the Assyrians and then the Babylonians. And when they're in exile in Babylon, God says to the prophet Isaiah, speak comfortably to my people, and they're going to get to go back. And they do go back. And under Ezra and Nehemiah, they go back and they, they rebuild the city, they rebuild the temple. And there's such, there's such hope uh, in, in this time of return. There's such hope. They really, there's such hope that all of the promises of God are now going to come true. They're going to be a righteous nation. They're going to be a holy nation. The, the, the priests are not going to be corrupt, but they're going to be holy. And they're going to lead the people in holiness. 
And, and, and there God himself will come and return to his people. And he will ascend his throne. And he will govern his people. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Those were the hopes. The prophet Isaiah, when talking to the people about what the return was going to be like, it's going to be like a new creation. It's going to be like a new deliverance from Egypt. It's going to be like starting all over. Now here comes the prophet Malachi, a hundred years later. And all of the old weeds in the human heart have sprouted again. And the poor are once again being oppressed. And the worship of the temple is once again corrupt. And the religion of Israel has been mingled with the worship of false gods. And, 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 and bad religion always leads to corporate immorality and to personal immorality. And one of the things that the prophet Malachi is particularly complaining about is that, is that there's an epidemic of divorce. Moses, as Jesus says, Moses had given the people of Israel a, um, a law about, about divorce because of your hardness of heart, Jesus says. But what's going on, Malachi says, is an epidemic. Men are not able to keep covenant with the wives of their youth, and they are, they are, they are on a wide scale divorcing their wives for no good reason which in the ancient world is, is, uh, is almost a sentence of death. Women have, have no, no livelihood, no way, no way to go forward. And the book of Malachi is an interesting book because God sends Malachi, this prophet, and he, he does not call a spade an instrument of excavation. He calls, he calls things as they are. And he's, he's, he's brutal in his judgment that he delivers upon the people of Israel. You would think that their response to that would be, oh, woe is us. God, have mercy upon us. Yes, let us repent and return to the Lord. But in the book of Malachi, uh, it's a, it's, the, the people of Israel talk back. They say, well, you know, look, it's your fault. It's your fault. Why don't you come down and fix this mess? Why don't you show yourself and do something? That's their reaction to the prophecy of Malachi. And God says, all right, I'll come. Before I arrive, I'll send a forerunner to go ahead of me, and you'll know that I'm coming. And then I'll come. The Lord whom you seek will, will return suddenly to his temple. He will suddenly take up his throne. And who can abide the day of his appearing? For it will be like a fuller's soap and it will be like a refiner's fire. The fuller is the, is the dry cleaner in the ancient world and has special bleaches to get things really white. Jesus appears uh, before his disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, he shines with a brightness that no fuller on earth could create. So it's a, it's a heavy-duty cleansing that's being talked about. And when you have gold, uh, when you find it in the ground, it's mixed with lead and other minerals. And in order to have pure gold, you have to burn it off. You burn off the, the dross. That's the refiner's fire. And God is saying, I'll, I will come, 
and I'm going to purify my people, and I'm going to cast out the wicked, and I'm going to gather the saints to myself. And who can abide the day of his appearing? And that's where we leave Malachi. And now it's 400 years later, and suddenly there's this voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Is this the forerunner that Malachi has talked about? Is the Messiah going to come? Is God himself going to visit his people? Is the day of judgment and sifting and sorting, is fire about to be kindled upon the earth? What's going on? Well, all the promises of the prophets are coming true. And the promises that God has given through Malachi are coming true. But they're coming true in the most paradoxical way. For John the Baptist is indeed the forerunner that was promised, that Elijah-like figure. Jesus says about John the Baptist, indeed, Elijah has come and you did not heed him. And God himself has come. When Mary and Joseph bring the child Jesus into the temple to present him as is the custom, the Lord whom you seek has returned suddenly to his temple. God is judging and sifting and sorting his people. And the judgment of God has fallen upon us. But it's fallen upon us in the form of sacrificial love. And on the cross of Jesus Christ, sin is revealed to be the darkness that it is, the darkness that descends upon Calvary. And as we will read at midnight mass, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness overcomes it not. And the fire is indeed kindled. The, uh, the cleansing is going on, and the fire is indeed kindled. But it's the, it's the fire of the divine love. It's the fire of the divine mercy. The God of love, who in his cross judges and forgives and redeems and cleanses and purifies and refines at the same time. This love that is come to us in the cross of the Savior, that comes to us by the power of the resurrection, and that comes to us by the gift of the Holy Spirit, and that we take into our ears when we hear the word, and we take into our hands and into our mouths when we receive the sacrament. That burns in our hearts cleanses us, refines us, makes us new, restores and redeems us as God's people, and makes it possible to offer sacrifices that are pleasant to the Lord, as in the days of old. Merciful God, who did send thy messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation, give us heed to hear their warnings and forsake our sins, that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. In the name of God the Father, and of the Son, 